Welcome to episode 83 Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast. Today's episode, all about that big bait, swim bait, wide bait life. Good buddy David Sinders comes on and spills a whole lot of information, a lot of good information, a lot of stuff I don't think you're going to hear other people talk about swim baits. I think you're going to find some interesting stuff in here if you are interested in throwing big swim baits for bass. There is a giveaway in there. You'll have to hop over to the YouTube channel. Uh, all It'll be uh, all explained in the podcast. So if you're interested, uh, listen for that and hop over to the YouTube and check it out. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. This week, the Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle, Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, here we are live on a Thursday night. Hella Bass Live on a Thursday night. We've been kind of mixing it up a little bit, doing some Wednesday nights, doing some Thursday nights, uh, working around kids' schedules and sports. But we're here. We skipped last week, but we're talking big baits this week. Uh, and I've got my uh, longtime fishing buddy, Dave Sindrich, with me tonight. What's up, David? Howdy. How you doing? Good, good, good. How about yourself? Like, Good. Hang um, in there. Yeah. And so you guys may or may not know, David, uh, if you're like in like the inner circles of like the swim bait depths, you might have seen his name around. He hangs around in some of the uh, the uh, the swim bait groups and things like that. But you kind of took a little break from social media for a while just to kind of like, I don't know, is that to kind of cleanse your soul a little bit and get away from the, the toxicity or? <laughs> yeah, you know, I founded uh, Swim Bait Universe way back when. The animal that it is now uh, with Eric Gass, good friend of mine. And uh, we brought that group to about 13 or 14,000. I took a break from it, came back for a short time, and just kind of walked away from all social media, dumped it, uh, lived life a little cleaner without it, it feels like that sometimes. Nice, very nice. Cool. But so, like I said, just because you haven't uh, heard of Dave, you don't know him, uh, doesn't mean he doesn't have a ton of knowledge about swim baits. And uh, you're for sure going to see that once we get into it. So uh, I had a few of you guys in the chat uh, reach out and ask me to have Dave on. Uh, and I said, for sure. Um, let's see. Hi to a few people in chat. Let me know in chat. Assume we look and sound good, but just let us know in the chat. Uh, what's up, Jay? What's up, Tom? Morgan says he lost a 10 on a frog yesterday. He lives out in California, so um, I believe it. Um, Doug, what's up? Daryl Wilson, Daniel T, good to see all you guys. Yeah, let me know in the chat. I'm sure we sound good. Uh, we're also trying simulcasting on TikTok as well tonight just for fun. And if you're on TikTok and you want to join the show and see David, hop over onto YouTube. So, um, yeah, and just because uh, – you know, uh, he's not named Oliver Nye. Doesn't mean he doesn't know a few things about swim baits. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely, Doug. Everybody says it sounds good. 
Uh, Ryan's here. Do you know, Ryan Thiel says you're the OG swimbait universe guy. Yeah, let's all suck less a little bit with uh, swim baits. And everybody seems excited. There's a bunch of people in the chat ready to talk big baits. Um, so I guess before we get too far into that, there are a couple things that I want to talk about quick, a few business things. One is I want to thank Arsenal Fishing for supporting the stream. Uh, without Arsenal Fishing, we don't have as good a content, uh, and they support the show on the channel, and that we thank them a bunch. So there's discount codes down below for Arsenal Fishing and Omnia Fishing if you're interested. And I am giving away some stuff tonight. So Arsenal Fishing does have uh, some new sun gloves I just came out with uh, that are pretty nice. I've worn them a few times. I've worn them in some tournaments. I'm not going to wear them all show. Maybe I should to keep myself from, like, stabbing myself with a hook. But uh, nice light color, gray. Uh, so they stay cool, but enough pattern so it doesn't show everybody dirt. They're padded where you need them. They got little grippies on them. Pretty nice. So I've got a pair, but I'm going to give a pair away tonight. So uh, if you guys want to win a pair, I've got a pair of the smaller medium-sized gloves right here that I'll give away. So they're a medium. Uh, if you have giant hands, then you'll have to give them to somebody else. Uh, an Arsenal Sun Buff. And I'll throw in a Super K flipping Jig as well. So... Super All you have to do to win that is when the stream is over and the replay goes up, just leave a comment and let me know that you're in or a big bait or say something about the show or anything. And all comments after the stream will be in the giveaway. And then next week when we go live, we will uh, do a drawing on the stream. And so if you're watching on TikTok, uh, jump over to, to YouTube and leave that comment. <clears throat> so you know, Before we get going, you yeah. mentioned Super K. You know, I know you're into tungsten, and I love tungsten, too. Super K are some very nice hand-tied jigs. Mm -hmm. They have uh, been using them for years. I still use them. I'm happy to reorder whenever I need them from them, guys. Nice hand-tied stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I use them for all my swim jigs. So, yeah, and if you guys need good yeah. swim jigs or a custom color, there's a color. It's Hellabass 15 at uh, Super K as well. Save yourself some money. Um, and, and if we're talking big baits, they actually sent me this monster chatterbait from Super K. Nice. Or the clack. I, I want one. You could probably have this one. I probably won't throw it. We'll wow. just go fishing, and I'll, and I'll let you have this little, one. Maybe a little different color pattern. <laughs> well, you can tie a new skirt on it. Well, that's what they do best, so. That's true. Um, so that's that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention quick um is share something quick shameless uh my dad is selling his triton uh he's got a 2019 triton with a 2020 pro xs on it only a couple hundred hours on it he's just uh, just not quite the right boat for him anymore so if you guys are interested in uh, a sweet deal on a pretty loaded 19 almost 20 foot triton uh, that's very clean with a bunch of Garmin's and Lorances and all kinds of stuff, Ultrax, all the goodies. Uh, I'll put a link to this, uh, but it's over at Bass Boat Marketplace. You can check that out. So I'll put a link in the chat quick if you want to look at it. If not, you know a buddy that's looking for a sweet deal on a like new Triton, there you go. So He's running live scope on that too, right? Yeah, he's got a custom live scope mount uh that's so he's got the live scope on this raised one and then he's got like a hand something deal where he can operate it independent yeah he's got this all about marine transducer so he yeah. can 
he loves it for crappies, so he can really, um, you know, he doesn't like it having tied to the Altrex. So, but <clears throat> there you go. Um, so that's all the business side of things. Dave. So Dave and I uh, have known each other for whew, at least 15 years. Oh, yeah. Maybe close to 20. Uh, we both started in uh, Gopher Bassmasters. That's where we met, uh, fishing the Bass Club. Um, and kind of, you know, hung out, fished. I think we drew each other at least one time in a tournament and went out fun fishing a few times. And the one thing I noticed is like, we'd go out fun fishing and Dave would always be like sneaking these big baits out. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, like that was like before, like, cause right now there's like a swim bait fad craze hype, like that's pretty mainstream, but you were much ahead of the curve when it came to that. Um, what what get how'd you get into big baits like give us a little background you know because we're probably talking 20 years you've been into big baits and obviously you've gotten more but like give us a little bit on how you got there the years the year timeline is always a blur but um i don't remember the year it was running u.s angler's choice out of california here in minnesota Mm -hmm. and the uh, region three director who was my regional director um, he mentioned Huddleston swim baits and I said, I don't know what that is. And he said, Oh my gosh. He said, you got to go check out swim bait nation. So I went on swim bait nation and my eyes opened up and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was almost primarily West coast guys at that time. All of us were kind of filtering in from around the country and, uh, all of a sudden, uh, Brian Velvick started talking about them on, uh, what was that, Bass Live or um, Bass Talk? Bass, Bass Center, right? Was He was Bass co-host Center. of Bass Center with yep. Jay Kumar. Right right when they went to ESPN. And uh, and he mentioned Swim Bait Nation a few times, which just kind of hyped it up even more for me. And um, I got really lucky in the beginning of it. I was, I was doing some podcasts back on an old website and uh that's where i met up with um matt newman who's now uh irod and i got to know matt a little bit by phone conversations and he really encouraged me that these things will work up here and also did a podcast with uh bill simental from the big bass zone and uh you know bill's a pretty big character pretty big personality and he was telling me how they'd work up here and i didn't take it to heart as much as having some really good conversations with matt newman who did some of this all around the country not just california uh in europe for pike fishing and uh that's kind of really how it started for me and stayed really close in the swim bait nation for years um actually helped run it the last couple years that it was around mm-hmm. and then i morphed then i left there and that's when swim bait universe was born yeah swim bait nation swim bait nation was it yeah it was that, a forum like back when forums were cool it was like the destination yeah. and there, there's probably only about a thousand of us on there at that time maybe two thousand and slowly mm-hmm. grew but it was the big dogs it was 
it was if you're kind of into swim bait fishing, you had absolute access to all these guys. And we have access to these guys on Facebook now, but it was really interactive back then. So it was a lot of fun. So you had the internet side of it, which seemed kind of new and cool, but uh, got to learn so much. You could private message anybody and get into long conversations and end up with good phone calls with them. And right. I, I've got to learn through conversation from some of the best swim bait anglers in the world. Yeah. And so like that was a time like forums were really legit and it was really that main swim bait forum. And it was before Facebook. It was before Instagram. It was before. So like nobody was distracted by the other 400 social media platforms. So if you needed to go get your swim bait fixed, it was really one place and everybody congregated there. Before swim bait underground. Right. You know, and then you had uh, you had you had a few other ones out there, but they were so hardcore West Coast that. It was just easy to stay away from them and go mm-hmm. to Swampy Nation where all of a sudden there's guys from Connecticut and Georgia. Mike Book is coming into the scene all, you know, at that time and mm-hmm. high power hearing. All of a sudden we have makers from around the country coming in and showcasing their products. Real Prey came in at that time. Someone on the East Coast, I mean, that it might have been the first East Coast. We had Pats out there, but them pats were so hard to get hard to get you barely heard about them even on swim bait nation back in the early days but some said, amazing, what was it um pats, pats? i've yeah. never even heard of it they're still uniforms they're still he he makes them i i don't know how to buy them i never heard of a list or a drop or nothing they're they're out there hmm. they're still being made and they're one of the top high-end baits right now. Or always have been. Kind of, kind of would remind you of an MS Slammer if you everyone knows what that sure. is. Yep. But cool. more, more refined. Yeah. So Anthony, we'll get there for sure. Like both Dave and I, uh, we're we're in Minnesota. That's primarily where we fish swim baits. When we do fish swim baits, Dave throws swim baits a lot more than I do. So. Anything that Dave talks about tonight will definitely apply to anybody that lives in central, northern, southern Minnesota or the Midwest. Other than Wisconsin, um, California one time, all my experiences here in Minnesota. Sure. You kind of mentioned Huddleston. You said that was like your first exposure, right? When you're first. So we're talking like. Yep. Yeah. That's inch huds, weedless huds. Yep. That's kind of my first swim bait. I remember when we used to sneak up to the old hot pond, like this yeah. is what we threw a ton of. Like amazing um, there. I've got like all the you can see that the the the, the toothy pike uh marks still on these tails, uh, which was a combination of bass and pike up there. Were, like that's literally probably the best swim bait fishing I ever had was when we were up there. But it was some amazing fishing. And uh, you know, after after the channel fishing, I started bringing the boat up there all winter and bringing some tin boats up there and mm-hmm. had tough days and amazing days. Not all of them, were, not all more like them days in that channel, though. <laughs> that, that, that kind of sums up swim baits in a nutshell, though, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know it, it. It's not, it's not something for the faint of heart. I mean. 
the most important aspect of swim bait fishing is being able to locate fish as in any fishing where guys, I, the biggest mistake that I see is anglers are getting into this and they didn't learn their basics of how to find fish, how to locate fish, how to pattern fish. Mm-hmm. And believe me, throwing these baits around here, there's times that I don't think I know how to do it either. I mean, there can be some tough droughts in there. But when I'm on Swimbait Universe and someone says that they've been swimbait fishing for eight months and they haven't gotten bit, not an experienced angler, a new angler. I always question, did they learn their basics? We we have to know our basics. We have to know when to possibly be shallow or possibly be deep. These baits are not the answer to learn how to fish on. So you have to use your experience as an angler to use these baits. If you love rattle trap fishing and fast moving baits, that's the kind of bait you should gravitate towards. If you like swim jig fishing, fishing kind of slow, you know when to speed it up and slow it down, you may be a soft bait fisherman. And of course, with all aspects of any fishing, we have to mix everything up to become a versatile angler. And I put myself in a lot of holes because I love soft baits. Sure. And but I'm smart enough to know I got to switch it up. I got to find out what the bite is. And an awful lot of times anglers go out. I, I'm looking at baits right here and see the uh, Uncle Ronnie tater hog. And that's the bait they decide on. The hype is there. They're seeing it on the forums. It's being recommended when they're asking questions. Well, now they invested $200 in a bait. Right. So now it's do or die for them. You know, there, there's a lot of easier ways to get into this than going to the top end baits and being triggered by hype baits. And there's a reason a hype bait is a hype bait. It, it works. It may not right. work for you, though. Yeah. So I think this is like touch on a few things, right? One is like learning to fish with a swim bait is tough because you're going to get less feedback from the fish you are definitely 90 percent of the days or more fishing for less bites when you're fishing with a swim bait so and like you said if you don't have a good fundamental behind you you're going to find swim bait fishing very challenging that's the first thing that like you keyed in on i think that's an important lesson and probably maybe the if you don't listen to one thing tonight <laughs> that's probably the biggest takeaway you should have from tonight um Two, and I have never heard this before, which I thought was good, is right. Like, what do you like to do now? Find a, if you want to get into swim baits, find a swim bait style bait that matches what you like. Yeah. So, what you were saying is like, if you're a rattle trap, you like to burn crankbaits, you know, uh, fish buzz baits, right? So, you should probably look at like a, a crank, a crank down or a bull shad or something that's kind of a burn and stop type bait, yep. right? Yeah, because that, that's how you're locating your fish. That That's how you normally go out to locate your fish. You know, you know me as an angler. I, I go for docks. I, I love dock fishing. And I got to know when to move away from them damn docks. It doesn't take long with swim baits to know when to move away from the docks. You're throwing something parallel. You're skipping big baits underneath it. 
if you ain't getting bit and you're going to swim bait fish, you move on. Right. You start going to deeper water columns and you keep moving down. Now we're graphing more, of course. Mm-hmm. Looking for them with live scope. We're looking for them with Mega 360 side imaging. So what I once was a real shallow angler. I only went deep when I had to a conventional. I'm now a deeper water angler with swim baits because probably the last time we are fishing with you, I'm in a talk years ago, you were flipping. I just sat down. I was done. <laughs> wanted to swim bait fish and I waited for certain areas I could throw swim baits in. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't want to scare people and say it's a giant learning curve. It's not a giant learning curve if you know how to pattern your fish. Right. So, and then like, likewise, you're saying if you're a jig fisherman, a swim jig fisherman, a 10 inch worm fisherman, right? Then get a boot tail, get a HUD, get a dream smasher, yep. get a, you know, a whatever, a, a talon, a six inch talon. Get, there's a bunch of baits out there, but something that you can slow roll, bump the bottom. Like, so that's, that's yep. a good tip. So like, think about what kind of fisherman you are now. And then if you're going to dabble, um, you know, grab some baits that match what you do now. So it's not as big a jump. Right. Yeah. Most definitely. Right. And, and then, you, like you said, if, you if you're a deep water fisherman, you can probably play with top hooks and open hooks and things like that. Right. Yeah. If you're, if you're like Dave was, and you like to fish around pads and docks and shallow weeds, then get yourself some weedless baits, right? Right. So, yep. you know, and, and one thing people are here looking for Minnesota techniques mm-hmm. and this technique works all over the country and it's been proven, but a friend of mine, Eric asked, he started, he still has a YouTube video up from years ago called uh, enter the swim shot. And Eric goes into great detail on how to rig the swim shot, which is basically a bubble rig, a three-way swivel rig that he modified to work best for fish and hardgills. And you mentioned the weedless HUD was probably what really got me into soft bait fishing. The hardgill, the Matt Lewis hardgill, we didn't know which way to go. A lot of these lures you're going to see this fluorocarbon leader and you're going to see here, hold it up, go up a little bit. There you go. You're going to see no swivels. These are crimps. So you take 60 pound cigar line, but with the swim shot, you do a drop off of there. Which way do I go? And then you put your weight on there becomes essentially a three way rig. Very effective. Minnesota angler developed it, and uh, Eric's the master of it, but I don't know how many fish has accounted for me over the years. But that video is called Enter the Swim Shot. And he also has another one, uh, always use protection on how to make <laughs> <laughs> how to make the rig. Because it is, it is the most important aspect of swim bait fishing in Minnesota is this fluorocarbon leader. Where the musky guys we know run 120, 
100 pound. I think they run up to 125. We run just 60 to 80 pound. I've never had a bite off yet. I've landed plenty of big pike, plenty of muskie. But it's the two and three pounders that don't know how to react to these baits that are going to bite your line right here. Right. It's the little ones. You get it. You have a 36-inch northern coming in. They know how to react to this bait and how to eat it, and you set the hook. You may not need the leaders. It's the smaller fish, and it breaks your heart if you don't put on probably less than a dollar leader. I'm, and I'm telling you, on your soft baits, you got to do it on every bait. Your glide baits, I, I can't emphasize it enough. Don't go out and waste your money and buy these baits and not put a fluorocarbon leader on your on your bait. Minnesota, so you're making your own fluorocarbon leaders with crimps or crimps, right? Yep. And then you're tying to the loop you make on the other end. So your yep. baits are always pre-rigged with, <clears throat> why don't you hold, I'm going to put you on kind of a <clears throat> solo layout here. So, so you basically pre-tie all your baits. Yep. That, uh, that's a crimp. Yep. Uh, I, I would have to look, but you just look on, uh, what is it, Bass Pro, and you see the diameter of the Seaguar blue label tieable fluorocarbon and they'll give you the diameter and that tells you what crimp you need then you make that loop at the end and all i've done for 10 years is do a polymer knot at the end of that thing and that polymer knot will not break through that line so what do you what do you run for your size floral for leaders mostly i i run mostly 60 Okay. But, but I have 80-pound also, and I'll grab that by accident. And it doesn't affect the way your baits swim. And me and Eric for years swore possibly we get better glides off the glide baits with that fluorocarbon leader. It whips that head. It gets a motion going that it really kicks the heads out. Hmm. So And then... Your main line, you're using fluorocarbon, you said, or mono? Well, I, I use, uh, what is it, Euro Zero XXX. The copolymer? Yeah, yeah. I, and I like it just because it's, it's reliable and cheap, and I can replace it whenever I want. I think it's, uh, I think it's 18 bucks for six or 800 yards. <clears throat> but so, you're saying a good quality... <clears throat> Mono copolymer is your main line. And what are you throwing? 20 or 25 or I'm throwing 15 on everything unless it's a big bait. Unless it's uh over four ounces, then I'll go to a 20 pound. But everything else is 15 pound. Sure. And so if you can't find the Ozuri, I think big game would be a good option, right? 15 or 20 pound big game would be a good line. I fished that for years. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a good heavy mono to a 60 pound, like 12 inch floral leader that you made out of your own crimps. That's what you yep. advise. <clears throat> and that's the same for glides as soft baits or anything. Hard baits, multi-segment baits, crank downs, everything. Unless you want to lose that 20, 
to $200 bait, don't tie it on. You will lose it if you don't. But when you're when you're touching on floral, for soft baits, floral is king. I just don't like spending the money on it. Sure. Just from like the sinking and getting it down, you think it's better or keeping it down. Because every soft bait is like a I guess you'd use the example of a crankbait. It goes down, and the whole progression of it is coming up to your boat. You only have that total depth down there. We we can swear that we're dragging that bait on the bottom, and unless you are spot-locked or anchored, that bait is rising to you the whole time. And we know this because of followers, the followers are six to eight feet below that bait. Well, they were, <laughs> you do a long cast, them followers were below that bait the whole time that far. They sure. don't change. They come up, they, they come up with the bait. I'm trying to figure out the camera orientation here. They're coming <laughs> up with it. They're not getting closer until they're going to make contact. I mean, this, this is just years and years of watching all of this stuff. And then, obviously, once you got live scope, it even reinforces it even more, right? So you can see it at a greater distance. It makes it more frustrating, is what it does. <laughs> you see, you even see more followers that aren't eating your baits. You see, you see more, and you know we we all know the orientation of transducers. The fish ain't actually where they tell us they are. And the example of this I like using is Mega Three Sixty. We we. We look at our target 40 feet away. We're in 20 feet of water. We have to deduct the 20 feet of water, and the target's really 20 feet away. Yep. Well, that's some, that simple thought goes to side imaging, and it goes to live scope. Where we think live scope, that the fish is right on our lure, it can be four feet to the left or four feet to the right. We're looking yep. at two-dimensional. So it can be here. When on live scope, it looks like it's tracking your bait. It can be over here. And believe me, I'm not a master of live scope. I've only had it a year, part of last season, this season. But the followers have told me that the bait's here and I see the fish over here. And I'm like, and I read about that orientation of where that's supposed to be on live scope. You know, I'm jumping around from electronics to swim baits, but... I think forward-facing sonar is a lot of fun for swim bait anglers. Yeah, for sure. I, I played with a little bit on jerk baits and a rigs, which a rigs have some similarities to swim baits for sure, and um, <clears throat> on Smith Mountain Lake. Um, so Nick says, why not just straight floral with a three-pound snap? Um, if we went straight floral, we'd have to throw sixty-pound floral. Uh, 60 pound tieable fluorocarbon is so abrasion resistant. I mean, you need great scissors to cut it. And a lot of people go to the other side and say, well, I can throw 80 pound braid. Well, if you truly understand braid, braid is not abrasion resistance. Right. We don't use it around docks because we're going to, good chance you can get cut off on bad poles and all that. It's 
Yeah, an eighty pound braid doesn't hold up to a pike either. Like it's if there's Correct. tension, it cuts it like super it easy. It, it cuts it, and uh, I think it was Dean Dean Capper showed me it with a pair of scissors when braid first started hitting hitting everything. He said, "Let me show you this," and he showed me a uh, twenty pound Trilene XT up against some Power Pro, and he showed me with the scissors. The power pro cut with one side of the scissors. The uh, Trilene XT had to be cut. You couldn't. Right. You'd had to really pull on it. Yeah. And and that kept me away from braiding for a lot of years. But braid to these fluorocarbon leaders is perfectly acceptable if you're a braid guy. Why not? Yeah. The only thing is sometimes braid on a uh, if it digs in can be unforgiving because it doesn't have snap strength either. So if you, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to correct myself. I don't know how braid reacts to the loop. Right. So I'm going to correct myself. <laughs> don't try it. Don't touch. Don't know and say, I told you to try that. Yeah. You might want to <laughs> play around with knots to make sure they're not going to cut right. Yeah. Your, uh, your braid. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I can't imagine what to use because I use the polymer always work for me. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys that's, I mean, uh, this is a good system. There's also a lot of guys that swear by 20 to 25 pound mono copoly, right? They feel really yeah. comfortable. And, you know, I mean, 20 to 25 pound, you know, a good copoly or a good floral is pretty resistant to pike, but it's not as resistant as 60, right? So... Right. Yeah. Yeah. And once again, we're talking about them little hammer handles that don't know how to react to these things. And you and you get to watch it happen. I mean, clear water will break your heart. And then you think to yourself, I didn't take two minutes to make the leader because it only takes two minutes. Right. And, and, it's you, not- and you, you, you basically, I mean, you leader up your baits before you go fishing. So when you're on the yeah. water, it's just an extension of your bait, right? You cut it off. Yep. Above the leader, the leader always stays with your bait. And then when you cut the bait off and you look at it, you examine it. If you see it might have took some wear and tear because you had a few outings, cut it off, put on the little crimp again and recrimp it. I think they cost three fifty for 50 of them. So it, it doesn't cost you money. Have you ever played with titanium or steel leaders, and why don't you like those? In in the beginning, I did because I learned real quick. I lost a couple of the old hard gills way back when, and uh, it it's just too much hardware. I always say it's a fourteen year old girl with braces. It's just too much, you know. <laughs> and and it affects the bait, the weight of it, and the hardware is always so heavy on. Uh, uh, particularly on our musky stuff. Them are some giant swivels. Them guys are gamed up for the predator they're hunting. I mean, if I run into a 40, 50-inch musky, I'm lucky. I mean, it's a good day. I, I get to land it with this system, and I, I, I enjoy them. But I, uh, I just haven't found confidence in it, and someone else might try it. And they might love it. I also have another theory about this, and it happened to me, and I went away from them, kind of going way back and remembering. 
I had a big giant swivel on a steel leader out in front, and I had nice eight, 12 pound pike bite the swivel. And I thought to myself, that pike went for the minnow that this fish was chasing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, there goes at the time 50 bucks. I just made up my own theory why not to use steel leaders that looked like a little tiny pin minnow to them, or it just didn't know how to react to the bait. I don't know. All right. Well, there's definitely a lot of questions, and I guess. All right. So, um, and then the big thing that keeps coming up is like, okay, I live in Wisconsin. I live in Minnesota. Like, and we talked about this. Like, Dave has ran the gamut of like starting with very few baits a long time ago. And then you had all kinds of baits. And now yeah. you're back to baits that you really think are effective. So what are your go-to baits uh, for Minnesota? Does it make sense to just talk about in general? Or do you think it makes sense to talk about, like, I like these in the spring and move on? Like, how do you want to break it down? I I think we could, I think we can start in the fall and then – so it is the fall. fall. Is, is the fall a good time yeah. for swim baits, Dave? And then and then everything else, because the fall stuff goes back to spring and summer. But I do make a little different movement in the fall. And it's okay. to go heavy into soft baits. And there's going to be guys, they might be on the, listening tonight, say you're crazy. That's my glide bait time. But for me, it's all about soft baits. And as the temperature's dropping, I love looking for 58 degrees down to about 30, 42 seems to be the magic number. Um, we go down to about 36, and I lose my bite. I I don't know if I've caught fish underneath 36, but we've had some fantastic days at 36. Um, but it goes to soft bait fishing. And when I say that, I might be able to throw a hard bait out there and pick up one or two fish, but I'm not going to find the 15 to 25 to 30 high-quality fall fish. And for me, the fall fishing is bar none my favorite, where in springtime I can I can get into big numbers, but they're not the, as big as fish. You'll have the two four-pounders or the three five-pounder days, with a whole bunch of two and a halfs to threes, but the fall is where it happens. It's almost like the small fish disappear if you're doing everything right. But uh, six inch swim baits, I mean, soft baits, it, it's hard to beat them. And I've had times where we've been on all out bites that we felt like we owned the lake and then throw an eight inch or nine inch bait out there you know, like they're they're eating sixes, they're gonna eat that. It it just doesn't work. It seems like they're so focused in on what is working for you at that moment, it's not even worth trying a bigger bait. But you, yep, go ahead. You you're a strong advocate for six inch for upper Midwest fishing. You don't think there's a there's not much upside to go into eight plus inch baits. Sometimes, <laughs> but, but in the fall, like, but, or, but like we look at this 
I think it's a seven and a half inch real prey forage trout. Notice the thinner, the thinner profile of it. Mm-hmm. That that's a great Minnesota thing. And as I say that, so are gill baits, which are fatter. But I mean, there can be that gill bait bite in the fall, but it just doesn't seem to be, you know, like the shiner shad type bite. But the hard bait guys, they're a lot like me. They're going to do or die by what they have the most confidence in. But I I have not found when I'm on all-out bite that I need to go bigger than seven inches. You know, I I love the depths 250 for specifically spring and fall. And people always think, you know, that's crazy. It's a very doable bait, but it's very situational because you start getting the followers on this. A lot of times for me, I got to go down to like the depths 175 to actually get them triggered and to go. Um, One thing about this is guys who fish with me and I have to explain why we ain't catching fish. You know, I got to make my excuses all day. (laughs) Most of the time our windows are small, just like in tournament fishing. I hear you say it all the time. You know, you have your morning window or it seems like an afternoon window. The same thing happens for swim baits and it correlates with conventional bait fishing, conventional baits. It's all a window. And people go, that guy's nuts. He's throwing six, seven-inch baits all day, and he ain't getting bit. A lot of times, no one else is getting bit either. doesn't matter what they're throwing, unless you're satisfied with the pound and three-quarter, two-pounder, two-and-a-quarter. If you're satisfied with that, then you can go throw the Ned Rig and pull up your five- to eight fish that are pound and three-quarters or two pounds. And I understand the people feeling the need of success, but a good friend of ours, Brian, he he always laughed when I said, yeah, I I was just on three and a half pounders and I couldn't upsize. Well, he laughs. He said, them are fantastic fish, Dave. Only you walk like that. But it's true. It's just, you, you walk away from so many fish and these make you walk away from them. Because I don't, I'm not in a tournament. I don't have to catch my five fish to feel satisfied. So, sure. I think this is an interesting question from Tim. Specific to soft baits, do you? How do you feel like most of your fish eat a soft bait? Is it a headshot? Do they come from the side? Do they come up behind it? Like, what is your thoughts on a on a soft bait? What are you mostly seeing? With largemouth, I would say in general, it. We have to say in general it's a headshot, but it's not always true. It, it's like any fishing. Anytime we think we have a fact that we can say is a fishing fact, it, we right. prove ourselves wrong. And I, I'm a lot different than a lot of people that bottom hooks are a mainstay in my swim bait fishing. 
and people go, that's crazy. You get more weeds with it. Well, all our hard baits are bottom hook baits. There's very few top hook hard baits on the market and they're not successful. We'll throw out a $200 hard bait, but we won't throw out a $30 bottom hook bait. And here's the thing about it. And I have three baits here that's gonna explain an awful lot. And this is for, was it Tim? Yeah. On, on positioning of baits and, and how are they hitting them. I spent way too many hours down in Monticello watching these smallmouth eat these baits. I mean, I think these, I, these are smallmouth for these people who don't know where Monticello River smallmouth he's talking about. River smallmouth, Monticello in the winter. I think all of us have been down there. And I started throwing the weedless HUD down there. A friend of mine, Joe from Real Prey in Massachusetts, encouraged me to fish these hot water lakes with that bait. Well, he didn't say that bait there. That was the bait I had. And he encouraged me that they're going to bite that bait because he's fishing hot water out there in Massachusetts. And I went out there, and it was one of those days. I think I hooked nine of them. All 19 inches, 19 and a half. So it's hard to break 20 down there. And I call him. I said, I did it. I said, I couldn't believe it. Ah, not that little guy. <laughs> this and, is uh, what I ended up throwing. It would be something like this, a little four-inch one. <laughs> and, and I told him, these fish have never seen this before. And uh, he asked me what I was using, and he was shocked. He said, go down there again and try to replicate it. And I did. I went down there, and I couldn't replicate it. I caught three fish. Well, it was an off day. I went back again probably the next day, and I caught no fish. I kept getting hits. They weren't eating that weedless bait to do it. So he said, yep, they wouldn't eat it. So he said, you need bottom hook baits. He said, these smallmouth, this is for you, Tim, for how, how do they hit? He said, smallmouth hit from the bottom. And if you go to Real Prey's YouTube, he's got great examples of this, of them fishing Real Prey baits, and every smallmouth comes up from the bottom. And I found, because I can, we can watch them down there in late January because the water's so clear, if they're not coming up from underneath the bait, when the bait's down low, when you feel that hard pounding, they're turning the bait over and pushing it into the rocks and you can feel them shaking their head shaking down in there once again the bottom hook is king in that situation now guys are going to put up picture of top hooks small mouth on the internet when you ask them they've caught one or two or four but they haven't caught three or four hundred and got to watch it happen um, and I might brag and say it might be a thousand. We know Monticello when it goes, but they on hard baits the small mouth will come from behind. They'll eat it right from behind, and you can see it. Only it's sticking out of their mouth. I did not turn that hard bait around in their mouth to get the hook set. So I know they're coming from below. 
and they're coming from behind when they feel like it. So there's no rules for this. You know, if, if we're familiar with rigging, we've heard of the Butch Brown method. Butch Brown swears by that treble hook right there because of the headshot. Well, I can't argue with Butch about Florida's strained largemouth in California. He's right. He's done it a thousand times. So that's where I say to you, Tim, in general, the largemouth will, will go for the headshot. So we're dealing with five-pound fish, a six-pounder if we're lucky in Minnesota, how much are we going to stuff into that fish's mouth with the top hook? Let's say it's a top hook mega shad. And we put a top hook on there or we put a butch brown rig on there. How much is that five pounder going to get into its mouth? It's all about the hooks. And I can tell you from experience, I'm going to grab any hard bait here. Oh, we'll grab the tater hog again. I guess the thing is, like, if you're throwing a six-inch bait for largemouth, yep. it doesn't get. matter which way they hit it, they're going to stuff it in their mouth if they <laughs> want it, right? Like, if, if they're hitting it and they're not hooking up, they're just not that interested. If they want this, they will put the whole thing in their mouth. <laughs> they're not interested, or you're getting bit and the fish isn't worthy of catching. Right. It's, it's a little ones. Yeah. It's not worthy and. If you can't get into that mindset, you might not ever really want to do this. If the fish isn't worthy of eating the size bait you're throwing to it, neither one of you get to have fun that day. Yeah. Uh, before you talk about the hard baits, uh, do you ever play, because you like that bottom hook, do you ever play around with line throughs? I, I love line throughs. Okay. Um, there's, and I'm probably missing out on stuff, but there's less of them on the market anymore. I was really heavily into that Savage Gear line through. Mm-hmm. I think it was an eight inch at thinner profile. I thought that six was a little small, but I knew people who just pounded them in Minnesota on that bait. But that's a fantastic starter bait. It's a fish catcher. It's under $15. And you have the option of a top hook or a bottom hook in that bait. And, you know, a lot of people want the name brand, the cool kid stuff that 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 baits the real deal i don't have any right now but man what a fun bait that is actually one of the the few times that i really had success uh for smallmouth not in the river was uh on lake michigan on big beta knock and i was throwing an optimum line through the old ones the, the old btls yeah, not, not, not the boom boom but their old school one and actually in practice i did really well uh, both finding fish and catching fish, but in the tournament, it, it went to crap. They all turned into followers on me, and I didn't know enough about swim baits or what to do back then. It was, you know, super green, but they, you know, that bottom hook was really doing a good job catching those smallmouth in practice. An- another real fun uh, line through, it's a bottom hook line through. Another unpopular, uh, poorly talked about bait was the old cat. Uh, Castec Catch 22 Sunfish. That that bait has action that very few baits have. Very hard, tight movement, multi-segment. It looks a lot like that Savage Gear, but if I was looking for an inexpensive bait that gets bit in Minnesota, 
I, I would give that bait a try. Um, don't pay retail for it. Shop around because there's stores that are always blowing them baits out for cheap. Um, they're not durable, but they're, they work well. Do they still make that Savage line through? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it might be harder to get, you know. Is it the it's Gizzard Chad? No, I think it was called the line through trout, but they came in many different colors. They got a newer line. I'm not familiar with that gizzard chat. You know, Savage Gear comes from a slow boat from China. Containers of it show up in the U.S. and then it sells down, and you got to decide if you're gonna send another container over. So who knows? Maybe they're maybe they're not available right now with the. Here boat. it is the trout line through swim bait. Yeah, how much is it? Sixteen to thirty dollars. Yeah, and and I think for that eight inch, you never pay you never pay over sixteen for it. You shop around. Monster Fishing uh, Outdoor was Monster uh, Outdoor Pro Shop. I think they they usually have them to blow out. Yep, that's it. Fun bait. Another another interesting thing about that bait, it's got a very hard head. It has a flotation device in it, so it's a hard head. You can get some pretty decent directional changes out of that bait that when you twitch it hard, it'll have some similar similarities to a hard bait. Not as well, but getting them directional changes off a soft bait is difficult to do, and that's one of the baits that can do it. I'll actually musky fish with that bait and rip it hard and swim it as fast as I can and get it to kick out left and right. And that, that's a good bait. And I guess I, I've never fished this, but that makes sense because that was one of my old complaints about the optimums I used to throw is one, their weights would eat their heads when you stored them in their tackle box, right? Cause it would yeah. be like this lead and they wouldn't have the right coating. And which is a whole other discussion about, you know, you and Tom know all about <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, but to have a hard head, right. A it's going to be more durable. And so if you're going to invest in a $20 swim bait, you don't have to worry about it disintegrating in your box or you catch one or two fish and you pull the head, you know, the weight or the harness right through the head. So, And, and in general, that weight thing we saw with the old California swim babes, the optimums, I, I, I'm willing to bet even optimum has, has cured that problem. It's a, it's a simple fix now. And it, it's just basically bond coating it and letting it dry so it don't react with it. I, I don't even know if Optimum has that. You know, we're then were some pretty uh, primitive old baits we we're throwing. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the name of that bait because I think you gave me one with a big head, small tail. It was just the Optimum BTL. Or, yeah, yeah. Like baby baby line through is what it was. <clears throat> yeah. And that was a fun bait too. I I caught fish on that back way back when. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple other people are asking about uh, like your soft baits. <clears throat> I guess right now in the fall, how are you like dragging them? Are you grinding them? What's the water column? What what what, what are you doing? So right now we're just starting to get into fall. We're about right, to start. Right now I'm looking for them. I'm fishing Ramsey County here. It's it's been dirty and tough, mm-hmm. but 
I I'm dragging the bottom. I I I'm not catching a lot of fish right now. I'm starting to see people catching the fall fish, and I'm getting real jealous right now. But that makes me slow down even more. But when I'm going to fish an area that I believe has fish in it, I'm going to thoroughly fish it. Finally got spot locked, thank goodness. Um, but I'm also going to rip them baits through there too, see if I can raise them up, see if I'm missing something. If I'm going to get that follow on that soft bait, fishing it fast, I'm going to go soak a hard bait in there, give it the twitches, give it the movements, let it soak in their face, move it fast. There's no rules to this, but as this temperature is dropping, it does become a slow roll, methodical. We need to make these things eat because they want to eat, and now we got to make them eat. So what's your what? So what are you, what are your uh, what, what are your one or two baits you're leading with? What, what are the two baits, the two soft baits you're tied on the deck as you go into fall that you start most trips with? Right now, this this is a real prey crappie, six point five inches. But as you can see, it's painted like a sunfish. I don't know. He's got five, eight, ten patterns, but that's a crappie profile, which sets up perfectly. For a bluegill because it's a main forage in minnesota forage trout and i don't think i got the pond shiner up here a pond shiner is a little bit shorter i think this is seven and a half i think the uh um pond shiner seven and i just saw that joe made that into a five inch but i've been playing with his paddle tails and I got bit on these a little bit here. I didn't catch any fish I'd like to brag to you guys about. But what's really cool about the chattel tails, all of Joe's are silicone. If you guys are familiar with Elastec, we love Elastec because the durability of it, but we don't like it because it would eat up all these baits. There's real prey silicone right now. That's silicone that cannot be deformed by putting it in your box like this. Heat does not affect it. The only thing that affects it is pike. And when a pike bites this, there's no on-the-water repair. You bring it home, put silicone on there, and let it cure. And it's just silicone that you put on your bathtub. But I, I do a lot of hand pours, my own stuff. This one I'm excited about. And when we're talking about hard heads, this is a hand pour here. This head is hard. The body is soft. So I'm playing with this right now, um, having a little bit of success. I'm just not locating fish right now. And uh, I'm going to say that's just, as this water's temp dropping, I want it down to 58. Sure. Once, once we get down to 58, that's when I think, for me, the fall feed starts, the weeds are dropped out, the healthy weeds remain, and that's what I look for. Um, that's when I get excited for my jig bite too. So Right. <laughs> and and then for hard baits. So but just to sum up before we jump off the soft baits, it looks like you're throwing mostly top hook swim baits in the fall. And you're throwing a lot of wedge tails and boot tails in what? six to seven inches. I'm just starting to play with the boot tails again. 
it kind of, I being off of Facebook all this time, I kind of didn't see him come back. <laughs> so I guess I'm trying to just follow the trend and my buddy, yep, yep, there's a bait I had a heavy hand in developing right there. That's a great fall bait. Now, I... So this is the, this is the six-inch top hook dream smasher, uh, yeah. for those that don't know. I, I would not be afraid to throw that in a weedless in the fall. I, I mean, they're, they're eating them. They're choking them. Yeah. There's the weedless version with a beast hook, a flashy swimmer. Yep. And, you know, it in the fall... We're, we're still, we're looking for our weeds, you know, so it, it's not bad to throw that weedless version because these fish are eating. But in the same sense, whenever I can fish an exposed hook, I do it. And kind of going back to that bottom hook thing, I started going into it. This is one of the most important things about swim bait fishing anywhere. We go out and we buy this bait that costs us twenty to a hundred to two hundred dollars, and we think we're dedicated to it. The sink rate may be slow sink, super slow sink, medium sink, fast sink. But to successfully swim bait fish, you need to cover it all. Mm-hmm. You can't have one rod tied on and expect great success. Here. Slow sink, I'm sorry, super slow sink, slow sink. And what, what are those, what are those gills? Which ones are those? Um, I just tangled up. Um, these are deluxe gills, no longer made. Uh, Fish 30 acre. If everyone on the podcast called him and told him to make them, he probably still wouldn't make them again. I don't know why he discontinued this bait. But then you got medium sink. In general, all three of these same baits are tied on my rod. So when I go up into three feet of water with two feet of emerged weed, I can throw a super slow sink over it. Come out of the weeds, then I grab the slow sink, go out a little deeper medium sink. You have to have it ready. You have to have it available. You can't just have a slow sink on there and expect to fish 20 feet of water unless you're willing to let it sink down. And people will fish like that and they'll be successful. But if this is a slow sink bait and I let it sink down 20 feet, the moment I start moving this bait, it's working up towards me the whole time. I want that medium sink bait for deep water. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I can't emphasize that enough. That goes for soft baits, weedless bait, slow sink bait, medium sink bait. And if you got the rods, have the fast sink on too for when you're on a point and you want to launch it out into 30 feet of water and drag it up. It falls down quick. But that... That medium sink isn't going to work for you in four feet of water. It's just not going to get through our Minnesota weeds, and we're going to fight it, and we're going to get frustrated, and we're going to set it down, and we're not going to keep pursuing them fish with swim baits. 
And I don't know if you've ever done it. Have you done it yet, Rich, where you have your three different sync rates at will on your deck? No. And I only you... have one swim, I only have one swim bait rod. That's part of my problem. <laughs> yeah. But but here's another thing for for six inch baits, most of us can use our frog rods, our heavy flipping yeah. rods. They're gonna work fine. We're gonna go to swim bait forms and they're gonna tell us why we need this three hundred dollar custom rod. I don't have a rod that's worth over $150 in my arsenal. I, I, I don't, I can't say I don't believe in it. I haven't ever been shown differently that I need to buy a three or $400 custom made swim bait rod. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to even treat myself one after all these years, because these guys who design these rods know what the hell they're doing and they're making nice rods for 125 mm-hmm. 150 bucks. And I'm going to have people out there saying, you don't know, you didn't try this rod or you haven't tried that rod. Well, I've picked them up and thrown them. They're pretty. They're, not, they're a little bit nicer, but it isn't worth my money. You know, yeah. I, think, I think Dobbins has a very economy line a swim fury bait. the fury swim baits are pretty popular yeah. yeah and i mean to go to go from the bottom end of dobbins to their top end and their swim bait rods i think we'd be splitting hairs truthfully other than cosmetics and maybe a tad lighter mm-hmm. but uh i not i never want to spend more than i spend on my real my rod sure and so we're talking about like when you go swim bait fishing, which is your normal, right? Like that 90% of the time when you go fishing, you're going swim bait fishing. How many swim bait setups are on your deck when you start out? Like what's normal? Like the, the three different, the three different sink rate hard baits, which are deluxe skills right now. Cause they're my favorite. Um, fell in love with them years ago. It used to be the Matt Lewis hard gill. And that fish, this hard bait is what got me into hard baits. It's a fantastic bait. It's loud. It's squeaky. It's got a lot to do with what makes them bite. But that bigger profile on that deluxe skill, I always felt like it brought them in. Um, the Matt Lures hard gill, he now makes, I think, a seven and a half inch. And I used to fish that depths 160 a lot. Well, then I went to the bulldozer because bigger's better, right? I've, I've never landed a bass over two and a half pounds on that big bulldozer. So I pulled I pulled back on that size of the gill I think I need, you know, six and a half inches again. And uh, I just don't feel like I can go up in size. I, I, I'd love to try that Matt Lures hard gill, but at a hundred bucks, when I can find old deluxe skills that is unpopular and people don't want them, people don't fish them, you know, it's not a hype bait. It's not popular, so people don't want them. So I see them and I grab them. So you got three hard bait rods, three different sinks, and then a couple soft bait rods, or what what do you? Three, three, Three soft bait rods. I got a weedless on, which is typically a medium sink. 
and then a slow sink and a fast sink. I haven't really found, well, Real Prey has made them for me, but I'm not into the super slow sink uh, soft baits. They rise up. It's just a tendency of them. So I want something you're, to stay You're not into the rate of fall zeros. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and truthfully, I, and I probably miss out on it, I, I used to love top water conventional. I, I'm just, I'm not into the, the wake bait trend. I'm, you know, the only crank down I have, because these are the trends now. You, it's, it's almost impossible to find a slow sink bait like this anymore because everything is crank downs or glide baits. Mm-hmm. And what am I missing out on? I, I don't know until I'm ready to spend money again. But there's my crank down. I, uh, ah. Well, of course, it's a deluxe skill that we modified and put a lip on. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I, I love the bait. And, and it's, it's bad to tell the audiences because it's a bait they can't get unless they keep looking and looking and looking. But I, I would, I'd be really interested in starting on some of the crankdowns because they're more refined now. They're better than they were ago. But I don't like talking about baits that I haven't fished. You know, so, I haven't fished any of the new crankdowns. So what, than- what baits that you have fished or that you have pretty reliable experience from people you trust? So let's say, obviously, let's talk about baits people can get that aren't an arm and a leg. What's a slow sink and a medium sink hard bait? And then what's like one weedless soft bait? Like let's let's just like a, weed, a starter a weedless, kit. A weedless soft bait? Well, you know, I if anyone's following it, the working class zero battle shad's a really nice bait, but impossible to get. It's out there. He sells them brand new. You know, you can get them, but his drops happen so quick. Um, real prey. Bar none is the most accessible soft bait on the market. You can go on Real Prey's website right now, make an order of slow, medium, or fast, top or bottom hook, and tell Joe what color you want it painted if you don't like one of the 15 choices he has. No other soft bait manufacturer is doing that. You held up Dream Smashers. I'm not affiliated with them. And I don't know if Tom is doing his drops again, but Dream Smashers were readily available up until a short time ago. And that was another one that there's not, you know, there was not too many bait companies that fish that their baits catch fish that they're readily available. There's reasons for this. It's because everyone's buying them. Um. You know, I played with the live targets. I thought they were good, but I didn't find the sink rates. I don't know if they ever changed that, if you can get different sink rates in them. Savage gear is readily available. That line through trout, they now have the pulse tail, which I'm not familiar with. But in my experience, Savage gear always make good soft baits. Yeah, and and their shine glide is a pretty... Gets a lot of good reviews for an economical glide bait. Yep, and I never fished it yet, so that's why I I just I didn't mention it. Um, 
some of the burritos, burrito, burrito bait does drops, but I think they're pretty high in demand and you got to catch that drop. You got to get on that. Uh, but now Buka is helping. They're doing a collaboration with Buka. So some of their baits are a little more readily available. Just the one. Just the, the one. Baraka. So that I think that's readily available. And if you if you guys went to Bullshad right now and it wasn't on his site, I seen uh Hog Farmer has had them available for a while too. Yeah, but Bullshads, I mean Tackle Warehouse carries Bullshads. I mean, they're pretty readily available. My understanding of the bait, because I haven't fished it, I don't I haven't fished any burritos. My understanding of that baca would be a great fall bait for Minnesota. It's heavy, it sinks to the bottom on clean, hard bottoms only. If you're gonna fish some weeds, you're gonna have some issues unless you keep it up higher in the water column. But that's just the tendency of the bait that from what I understand. But truthfully, when I can go to Real Prey website for the past 15 years and tell Joe I want a purple and green bait, and not only that, he has 13 different models. There's, there's, he, he has just too many models. And if you wanted a forage that he didn't have up there, he's probably got a mold of it that we took the mold off of his site. Bass, suckers, you know. <laughs> Is that a bull shad or is that? That's the yep. Baca burrito. Yep. Yeah, my understanding, it's one sink rate. It's fast. So that's a, you know, that's a fall thing. Because when I say that, what broke me into soft baits was a storm, six-inch storm wild-eyed shad. The three-pack for eight bucks. The big boot tail, not the, the thinner profile, the bigger one. And if you have a clean, hard rock bottom and drag that thing through, they pound on that bait. So, but that, that that's a good fall bait. It doesn't work in the spring or the summer here, though. Sure. <laughs> do you ever do you ever modify your baits to modify like a soft bait, adding nail weights or anything? I, I do. I, I and and I don't on the real praise because I just know what they do, but. Like a soft bait here. This is another hand pour of mine. You know, weight's always got to be low in the bottom. This bait right here falls at about that rate and kicks on the way down. Well, if I want it to sink faster, weights all stay at the bottom. You just shove nail weights in here, go back. You know, one thing Tom used to do and he showed me and it was very effective on his little gill, you take a nail weight and slide it up, and you'd slide it right up into the harness. And I think he called it the dig rig. And then you have a nail weight sticking out of the bottom, telegraphing the bottom. Well, this bait here I designed, if you can hear that, it's designed so that telegraphs the bottom for you. But... I, I don't heavily modify them. I'll butch brown rig something. You're tweaking it. You're not changing a soft. You're not changing a slow to a fast, right? Like it's just no, yeah. no. You, you, uh, you're 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 changing a slow to maybe a slow plus. <laughs> but, yeah, 
but you can change how it falls by moving the weight back. If it's mm -hmm. sinking like this, we can put weights back here to even that out a little bit. So, yeah. So if you guys are enjoying the content, uh, don't forget to hit that thumbs up, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube. Um, but there are a lot of questions on rods. So yep. now, I think you've got a bit of a hodgepodge of rods, but what are you, and I think you got some eye rods and a few other things, but what do you like in a hard bait rod versus a soft bait rod? I'm, I'm not as refined as everybody else because unless it's my, uh, we're going to go right to that eye rod. I have to look at which one it was. It's the one that Matt Newman suggests for the top hook weedless hut which is a fabulous stiff rod for weedless baits because with the weedless bait, we're trying to put a 12-odd beast hook up into their face. So you need it stiff, you need it hard. And we always hear, you know, we want more easy. bend. Huh? I said easy. It's a family show, David. Can't I don't know what it's done. He said you, you got to have it stiff and hard. <laughs> oh, I thought I... Thought I said some way worse. <laughs> soft bait rods, you know, we. I, my soft bait rods, I, I, I'll use for that same weedless bait. I just set the hook harder and real faster. So if you're going in for one rod to start, don't try to buy it specific. You're gonna, you're gonna hit it in there really good, you know. A one to four ounce, uh, I'm trying to think of Daiwa Fury. What's what's that that 795 dollars? Yep. That yep. that I would say is a light soft bait rod or a light hard bait rod because it has a lot of parabolic end bend. You want that bend for the soft baits, but like my Akuma one to four ounce, they don't make it no more. Unfortunately, they shrunk the line down. I use that for hard baits and soft baits. I, I I just set the hook harder. It's a lot fun funner to set the hook hard and get that bendo in there. But now Akuma has it. It's one to six. One to six ounces a black rod. I forgot what it is, like 125 for that rod. That rod covers hard and soft. And it and it's up to six. I I, I told you I wasn't gonna go dig out my rods, but I think it's one to six. On that rod right so the they have like the dobbins which is their entry level fury 140 dollars from bait rods which i've heard such good things about them rods yeah you, you're probably not gonna find i mean that's probably about as little as you're gonna spend on a swim bait rod how much is it 140 you may be i mean, yeah. I mean you're, yeah. you're not gonna find a swim bait rod for 65 dollars no no <laughs> um oh. you know 100 to 150 is probably where your entry swim bait rods are going to be. 120 uh, to 150, you, you have them options. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I think Okuma has some stuff that's kind Akuma. of entry. Uh, Dobbins Fury. Uh, and, and what you're saying is like this 795, one to five ounce. When you're just getting into it. Yeah. You know, that, that's going to cover, that's going to cover a pretty good range. And you're going to know when you need to go up, the bait's going to tell you. You know, it, it's like that's too much. But 
I I think I, I fished that rod before. I would say six ounces is pushing that thing, but five yeah, it ounces. Says one to one to five is what one it says. to five. Yeah, yeah, five. Yep. And and I know with that bend on that rod, that's a great soft bait rod. And for the or I'm sorry, hard bait. And for the soft baits, you just reel hard and set the hook as hard as you can and have fun. Yeah. And and I guess while we're talking rods, what do you, we had talked about line earlier. You're a, you're a big 15 to 20 pound mono. You've got your, your uh, 12 inch, 60 pound fluorocarbon crimped leaders that you make yourself. Um, what, what is your reels? Are you like a, a like a, a size 300 round reels, low profile, what gear ratios in general, what are you looking for? All of it. I'm looking for the best value for my money at that time in the $175 to $250 range. And that's, uh, right now I've kind of been into the Daiwa Lexus with the power handles. I got some old Lexus. The old Corrado 300, I love that reel. And I think there's a new one out that I've heard really good things about. But like uh, round reels, I like, love that Daiwa Luna. But I think that's a little bit above there. And you like that. the Lexa 300 or the Lexa 400? I like them both. They're both they're both great reels. Uh, right now, I have one Lexa 300 and one Lexa 400, and I I wouldn't trade either one for either way. You know that that 300 with the back that's the 300 I think in it, and that's the big power handle you're talking that's about. But if you can find a great deal on a brand new double paddle, the old because they got a, a double paddle with the smaller big mm-hmm. knob on it, that that old double paddle one, I think you can find for one hundred seventy five at sometimes used. What is that? What's the price there, Rich? Two fifty. Yeah, you. That that's right in that price range where I peak out. What do you like for gear ratios on your swim bait reels? <clears throat> I, I like to have a vary of reels, and then for the, the technique I'm going to use, if it's a windy day, I'm going to pick up a faster retrieve reel just because the wind's going to be moving me around more. I'm always working towards that bait into the wind. So with a little bit less control, I'm usually moving a little faster into the wind than I want to not to stop the boat, so I'm reeling a little faster. And, you know, that's one thing we always talk about, speed with speed with reels. And we're doing our research online, and you're watching these, you're watching Butch Brown, you're watching these great swim bait anglers, and we're always saying, slow down, slow down, but you see them reeling fast. Well, they're moving the boat towards the bait. Take that into account, and you have to take that into account when you're doing your retrieve, dead calm, no wind. I'm gonna, I'm gonna gravitate towards a slower retrieve reel, just because then I can slow down and really concentrate. So like six um, three when you want to grind, <clears throat> and then when you say bump up, are you going to seven four or do you ever throw an eight for swim baits? No, I I, I have the seven four, and yeah. if it's if I if I feel like I'm not in control out there, and I mean, I got a little tin boat. We we're talking about that now. It's been windy lately. 
I'll go to that faster retrieve so I can really control what I'm doing with that bait. And, and we're primarily talking about soft baits at that right there. But for hard baits, I, I, I think you'd say, you know, a six one is a perfect in between for everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I think <clears throat> the more I talk to guys at fish swim baits, if you're only going to have one or two swim bait reels, probably get the six, three to ones. Yeah. And, and for soft baits to pick up line when they're swimming towards you, that, that five, five one can be. A <laughs> yeah. I feel like five to one reels have really like whether it doesn't matter whether you're talking crankbaits or whatever, like sub six reels have really fallen off. Like people just don't use sub six reels anymore. Yeah. I think the new, like the reason it used to slow down is because the gear ratios and the gearing and the reels was very antiquated. Now technology has gotten so much better. You don't lose the torque in a six or a seven to reel that you used to back in the day, back 20 years ago when you were throwing a deep dive and plug, if you tried to throw a six or seven to one reel, you'd just be like fighting it, right? It would just be like binding, but now reels are much more advanced yeah. and that's not, not, not needed. So. Yeah. Every now and then I got to look down and see what, what the ratio is and think, Oh my God, I was fishing way too fast. You know, calmer yeah. me. Knowing gear ratio, don't, gear ratio isn't everything. Cause you got to remember on these size 3000 reels, when you're spooled up with 20 pound line, your inches per turn is much more than on your six to three jig rod. Like oh. your turn of the handle, you're bringing in a lot of line. Um, so just be cognizant that your swim bait reel 3000 with 20 pound line is not the same as your six, three to one, 200 size reel. You throw a spinner bait on. And, and, and it's just like uh swim jig fishing with a nice 200, 200 size reel. You make the monster long cast with the wind to your back and you're catching them fish way out there while you're you've almost spooled out at times mm-hmm. you know your retrieve is much slower than you can imagine and as it gets closer it gets faster and faster but your bites are coming from out there and on a 300 size reel with optimum fishing conditions optimum fishing conditions is going parallel down the shoreline in the fall with the wind back to you and making that mile cast, you can cast down the 300 reel pretty low with 15 pound test on it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I might pick up a 400 just to keep that capacity up on that line. Sure. And, and a swim jig is a good example, right? Cause like a lot of times you throw a swim jig out and you're slow reeling it, right? But them fish will run at you much like they will with a swim bait when they eat it. And I lost a lot of fish when I first started fishing swim jigs, trying to fish them on six, three to one, six, one to reels. And I have now definitely bumped up to all seven to one and seven to three and sometimes eight for my swim jig. And I will just make myself slow down. But when they eat it, you can yep. catch up to them. And, and that probably happens in swim baits as well. What's up? The Bateman TV in the house. What's up, Bateman? Good to see you. Um, cool. Uh, let's see. What's there was something I was going to bring up. Uh, would a loose super duty 300 be a viable swim bait option? I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't have personal experience with it, but I know the guys that are dedicated to them, love them. 
and there's some hell of deals going on, I guess, on them right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think any a Corrado, I, like my swim bait rod is a, an older Corrado 300E, right? Like, yeah. So, but here's the thing is like, when you guys are just getting started out, don't get tweaked out on gear too much. Like, if you no. got a big 200 size reel, yep. and you got a flipping stick, try it out before you go and spend $300, $400 on a combo and get two or three of them. You may find out that you don't love swim baits as much as you think you're going to do. Two, a, two, uh, a 200 deep spool. Yeah, a two, yeah. deep spool 200, your uh, 60, 71. Yep, your frog rod, your, your flipping rod. I mean, it was just probably only four years ago that I put down some of the 200 size reels. The grotto held up great. Had especially if you're if you're target fishing, like we talked about earlier, when you said you, know, you like to fish soft baits around docks, well, you don't need a 300 size spool for fishing six inch no. baits around docks because you're not going to spool it uh, around docks. You're going to be making accurate casts. So, <clears throat> Ryan Ryan says he has that super duty and he really likes it. Yeah, uh, Bateman said he's streaming tomorrow night, so. Uh, I'll be there. So if you guys are enjoying the stream, you can uh, check out uh, the Bateman stream tomorrow night. I'm not sure what he's going to be talking about, but it'll be definitely bait heavy. Um, let's see. But uh, so that's cool. Um, what was I going to There was something else I wanted to ask. Oh, let's, while we're thinking, I want to remind people that came in late, I am doing a giveaway tonight. We are giving away Arsenal Sun Gloves a buff, and a Super K jig. So at the end of the stream, once it hits replay, leave a comment. Let me know you're in. Let me know something you thought was cool from the stream tonight or just comment whatever, um, and you'll be in the giveaway. And then next week, Wednesday or Thursday night, when we have the stream, um, we will do a drawing live on the show, which I'm talking to a few people. Scott Canterbury, Matt Steffen, and a few other guys are on the short list to come up uh, in the near future. So. That's cool. Um, ba, 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 ba. I had something. Is there anything you want to talk about, Dave? While I'm like a brain fart. Um, you know, we, we kind of skipped over glides. You know, yeah. I was just gonna say, like, we have like glides is the hottest thing in the world right now, and uh, we haven't talked about. It. And I actually even held up a glide, right? Like, I had a, a Rashi glide. <laughs> and and right here. The, but uh, the, so, what are your thoughts on glides? Are you throwing them? When do you throw them? What's what's your thoughts on glides? I throw them and I enjoy them, and I always lean back heavier on the soft baits. But it's got to be part of our arsenal. <clears throat> and the the one thing I, I got into glides right when basically Butch Brown exposed them to us. He. Uh, I'd see him coming out of Japan and I'd watch the swim videos and I always thought, what is wrong with them? You know, I, I couldn't get the concept of it because we're at that time, all three and four piece baits, soft baits, you know, lunker punkers, top water. It, it was something so new and so weird that I was watching the videos. There you go. And, uh, I just couldn't get the concept of what this bait was doing because it was so just weird. It was so different. 
while Butch exposed it to us, of course, there was other guys out on the West Coast fishing them. And uh, for me in Minnesota, they're very viable baits. I, I still lean towards harder multi-segment baits, but that's because I'm getting older and grouchier. What what's what one's that, Rich? You tell me. You're the expert. Bass sanity. Uh, it is a bass bait sanity, bait sanity antidote. Yeah. And I've never fished that bait, but um, springtime deadly. Early in the year, um, my bite falls off in the summer on them, and and there's probably people listening that totally disagree. I get a short bite going in the fall, and then I run into right into soft baits. But what one thing that happened was I was fishing the original depths, and always was fortunate enough, Butch would tune them. And so I was getting sink rates that I wanted and uh, really fit my fishing style. Um, well, then they went to the new depths and they went from a foam to an ABS. The one thing that I always said about depths, and I'm talking about the original, at the time, and people are going to disagree, it was the only, one of the only baits, that and the hog farmer by Tater Hog, they were the only baits that I could throw out, and it didn't matter how windy it was. I knew what they were doing in the water. They were mm -hmm. so consistent, and I was trying all these other custom makers, and they all have their own attributes that make them fun and certain good for certain situations. But when it's blowing 20, 25 miles per hour, we didn't know what them baits were doing underwater. And the depths 250, the depths 175 was so consistent, that's why it caught us the most fish. They went to ABS, and I felt like the 175 lost some of its luster. But, again, it got hand-tuned by Butch. So I've seen other people talking about they, they didn't like the performance. Well, now depths has reconfigured the 175 pretty dang close to the original, put the fins back on, which I think is a stable thing. And I'm really enjoying the 175. I just started fishing it again more and more this year because I was down to one original depth. And let's face it, they're very difficult to get, so I wasn't being fished in every situation. But uh, I really believe in the depths 175 for Minnesota. Mm -hmm. The 250 will show you some of the biggest fish you ever seen in Minnesota. You just may never catch them fish because it's such a magnet that you get these followers, and it's very frustrating. And throwing a jig back in, throwing a drop shot back in doesn't catch these fish. And it was before Eric moved up to Mille Lacs, um, we seen some of the biggest fish are way above our personal best. And that depth's 250 will show them to you. But boy, does it get frustrating. The 175, 
You you can anchor them fish and catch them. So this size. I mean, this is not a depth, but this is a river to see. But yep. Like, this is the 178, I think. Yep. Yep. And there, there's a difference between the 250 and the 175. I mean, we can. Yeah. It's a big, big step. Doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a. Everything gets bigger. It doesn't just get longer. It gets thicker. It gets taller. It gets. Do you uh, look at so? Are you more of a cover glide or a more open water glide guy, or doesn't matter? Or what are your thoughts? I I do I do both. Um, and once again, Eric did Eric came up with this modification, putting frog hooks on them, two frog hooks, and. The frog hook is so light, it goes up into the belly. And then when you pause it, it comes down. Because when you catch a Minnesota fish on a depth 250, this is going back to Tim, do they do headshots? No, the large mouth of Minnesota on this bait come up and they bite the hook. Or they bite that hook. I don't know why. I don't know if that's a dumb little minnow above a big fish and they bite that but you the more you fish a bait like this the more you're gonna find they bite the hooks i don't know why on the 250 or the 175 as well the 175 they mouth it they just go in because you know when we talk about followers if you haven't seen followers true followers on a glide bait or a hard multi-segment bait it is an actual bass hunting a bait. It is making positions and making angles. And you might see it, you might get lucky and see it right away, but until you see it, you don't understand what these big baits do. And the fish will finally make an angle, make it tighter, and then connect on it. And the followers on soft baits are usually coming in like behind a crankbait. They're coming in. They're focused. But these followers on these bigger baits, hard baits, and I don't know if it would happen on the little S-waver. I haven't fished them. Mm -hmm. They actually are hunting them and tracking them. And that's when you're hearing about guys saying followers. It's not like the follower when you're pulling your spinner bait out of the water and a three-pounder turns away. It's an actual fish looking to eat a large meal at that moment. So that's just something to keep your ears open on when a guy's saying he's got a follower and he's doing a cast-to-catch video. That fish is working out a lot of times 8 to 10, 12 feet around that big bait until it finally makes it zoned to eat that bait. And it's the funnest thing in the world when I can show it to somebody. Because I'll say I have a follower three times, and they won't see it until finally they get to see it. And that's that can be something that turns someone towards swim baits, once they, especially if they're an experienced angler. They've seen something they never got to see before. Yeah. Do you, do you, uh, do you have a hook that you like to swap out on baits? Or are you I'm like... I'm not picky. No? Do you sharpen picky. the hooks that come on it or just? or? Yeah. 
I, I trust most of these most of these guys. They're putting on quality hooks. They're not they're not skimping out on the last piece of hardware in general. But I will tell you, like this uh, this is a fish catcher, everybody. The Nico, what is it? The Fat Lab Nico Gill. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you call it a swim bait. It's it's just a big crank. It's just a crank down. It's just a that's a fish catcher. Sure. Change out your split rings on this bait. <laughs> uh, I, I lost a giant on it, but uh, that's a fun bait, everyone. That that's a non-intimidating bait. The paint's gonna fall off when you look at it, and at least there's some flash in there for you. But again, it's a hard pill to swallow. That's a seventy-dollar bait. Hmm. I think that was on. Uh, what's that, North Car- Carolina? Carolina tackle, I think it is. Sure, that is a Carolina something, yeah. Yeah, they got a lot of refined baits on there, high quality. Coastal Carolina or Carolina something, Carolina fishing tackle or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, Sean's, yes, Sean. It it doesn't take hard, and it's not hard to be ruined. It does like so, but I've been there and I've had it like I've had my moments, right? And then I get super excited and I get super stoked. But then for me, what I find is that I get myself in a tournament situation or a situation where I'm trying to make a video for YouTube and I start out the day going, yep, for sure. I'm going to throw a glide. I'm going to throw something all evening or all day. And then we're four hours in and I haven't caught one yet. And then out comes the jig and out comes the chatterbait. Like, so I think to really get into swim baits, you need to not have ulterior motives. That being like, you're trying to make a video. You're trying to catch fish in a tournament. You're trying to impress your friends. You're trying to get photos for Instagram. You're like, you literally have to just flip the switch because um, there are very few anglers that have had even glimpses of success on swim baits at the tournament level. And yeah. more times than not, it burns you than it's going to pay off until you really have done it enough that you really understand when it's time to press the gas and when it's time to hit the brakes, right? So, it, it And just so everyone knows, my battery's going low. I just requested my battery charger here from the wife. <laughs> but uh, on the same note, when we watch it really closely, the top 15 – Swim baits are becoming more and more prevalent in some of the catches that help bring them to that love, you know, that, yep. that position. And we're not going to hear about it as much because they're not sponsored by the little guy in his garage. Yeah, you definitely, if you watch enough of Brandon Polinick's videos, you'll see a glide bait make an appearance. But it usually yeah. is like one fish, maybe two out of 20 on a four day tournament. Yep. And yep. it typically does, it comes out in the morning a little bit and it comes out at the end of the day when he's trying to like throw a haymaker a little bit, right? Like it's, he's very good about knowing when to uh, do it and when to not. Uh, White Whale's asking something about the new slide swimmer and vibration. Do you know anything? I don't, I don't know anything about yeah. it. Yeah. I, it, and it's kind of like a knocker in there. It has a little vibration, just a little spring in there. I, <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know if that 
makes a difference on that 175 because the 175 always got a lot of fish for me. Mm-hmm. But I will say, but Butch Brown had a hand in redeveloping these things. And if Butch Brown didn't want that little spring in there, I don't think they would put that I don't think they would put that sound in there. Sure. You know, one one of the amazing things that is the difference between this hog farmer, this hog farmer. I don't know if you guys can hear the squeaky joint. Mm-hmm. It's loud. The resin bangs against each other. The 175 has a silicone sleeve on it that makes no noise. This bait was actually called the silent killer at one time with the lip. That you can still buy the silent killer and it's a crank down. But somebody, either I forget the owner's depths or Butch Brown, or they worked on it together, they wanted some kind of sound coming out of this bait. And talking to Butch, following Butch, he knows what the hell he's doing, without a doubt. Here's my charger, guys. I'm going to plug in real quick. Thanks, hon. Dave wasn't prepared for the deep dive of uh, going hard. He didn't know we'd be talking swim baits for two hours. Has it been two hours? Only an hour and 45. But, uh, hey, while Dave's hooking up, reminder, you can enter the giveaway at the end uh, by leaving a comment on the replay for the – the Arsenal gloves, the buff, and the jigs. Don't forget about that. If you're listening on the podcast and you're not more than a week behind, you can go to YouTube and, and leave a comment there as well and get entered. Um, so, but uh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, what else? Is there anything else we, we we have to talk about that we missed? Or otherwise, I could pull out some baits and you could guess what they are. Well, you know, Morgan, uh, Morgan <laughs> asked a good question. Uh, Whatever conditions change from clear to muddy. Yeah, that was a while back. I'm not going to go back and get it. Yeah, he basically said went from it. clear water to muddy water, fishing a bull, the weeds yeah. died. I remember big the question. Or other big shifts. Uh, Morgan, if you're still there, it's it's the same struggle as if you're f- fishing conventional baits. It, uh, you're going from clear to muddy. Me as an angler, I'm going to look for clear water again. I'm going to look for the clearest water I can find in the area. But that's about locating fish. Fishing conditions, I would go to a louder bait. Yeah. If you're having success on on a, on a, soft, <clears throat> excuse me, a soft bait, I may go to a paddle tail, something that kicks harder, a bigger wedge tail. Yeah. So you a, could go to a, a darker bait. Right, that's going to get a bigger silhouette, a dark uh, a, a, something with a good kick, right? And then you can consider, you know, something with a blade that's going to put off additional flash, right? So, and um, the larger profile sometimes. Yep. And here's something we kind of miss: as conventional anglers, the fish aren't biting. We always want to downsize. It's in our habit. It's what we read about. It's what we learned about. It's what we had success about. Many times with these baits, you have to upsize. So if I'm fishing a six-inch bait, soft bait, and I'm not getting bit, sometimes the key is to go to a seven-inch bait. 
And I don't want to say that I know this because I don't know this. I don't think it has anything to do with them being keyed in on that size forage. And I'm not going to talk about, you know, blue herring lakes and all that type of stuff because someone that knows more will correct me about forage size. I think it has to do with profile and the fish just simply finding these baits. And it kind of leads into people always worried about how much noise these, these baits make and they're scaring fish, you know. Rich, you've flipped jigs as well as anyone I've ever fished with. My entry is much different and much louder with a jig than yours is because I'm not as good as caster as you. But when I'm launching these out there and I'm fishing with someone that's worried about the splash I'm making, the noise, I always tell them it's the most natural thing in the lake, these noises. When these fish are eating, they're making these noises. It's the loudest. It's it's a jungle down there. And, of course, there's going to be sometimes you're throwing them up into two feet of water and landing on their head, and you're going to see them dart away. But in general, the noise is what attracts the bite, without a doubt. Um, yeah, the jackal... Gantry, I'm, I, I haven't fished it, but I know many anglers that swear by it and have great success on it. Mm -hmm. They love that bait. And I don't know why I've never tried one. It's economical. It's easy to get. And it'll be a bait I try someday. Get them at Tackle Warehouse. The discount codes apply when they have sales. So, <clears throat> yeah. All right. Is it, there's some manifold talk. I'm guessing you've never thrown the manifold. The, uh, no, the I haven't thrown the manifold. <laughs> you probably don't have a rod to throw the manifold either. No, no, I don't think so. You ever play around with mag drafts? Um, yeah, the eight inch or seven inch. One, six, one, six and an eight. Yep. Eight. The, the eight inch gets bit. That's that's a fantastic bait. That's that's one that's easy to get. It's economical. That that's this is, this is the six inch, but yeah, and what the what's that color? The it starts with a B. Kind of, kind of, has got a little purple in there. That, this one's this one's called brownie, but yeah. Okay. Um, one thing I recommend about that bait is when you get it, glue. There's a magnet in there that holds that bottom hook in. Glue oh, no. that. Put some more glue in there. Use some super glue and glue that weight in there because. That magnet isn't a standard magnet. I can't find the dang magnet that fits back in there. Glue, glue that magnet. Or reinforce there. it with some super glue or some Sally yep. Hansen's gel coat or something, to, right? Is what you're yep. saying? Yep. What a fun bait. And I don't know about the eight inch, but the six inch skips under docks like a dream. I, I haven't skipped it much. It, it's a nice medium sink. It really does well. I mean, the great entry swim bait. Like, um, you can get this at Omnia and use, well, you can't, Hellabass, sorry, the problem is uh, Megabass is code protected, but these really aren't that expensive to begin with. So, uh, when you're talking swim baits, no, they're that it, it might be one of the better deals on mass produced baits out there. All right, let's, 
let's have a little fun. Well, we can answer some questions if people have them. Otherwise, I'm just going to break out a few baits. And uh... so this one's not a giant one. They make bigger ones, but um... do you know what I... that is? Yeah, another bait that I just never fished that's iconic and has caught probably only a million or two million fish in America. Yeah. The shell cracker, right? Yeah, the black dog baits shell cracker. This is the G2, I think. Highly sought after. They actually go for pretty good money. Ooh, uh, good swim, entry bait. Little, little crank down gill, basically, right? Yeah, swim bait, swim bait City is the one that seems to score them the most and has them out there for retail if it ain't on the black dog site. For some reason, Don gets his hands on them pretty well. Here's some of the, the first swim baits I ever really started like getting bit on that were a little bigger. Um, <clears throat> you used to do well on that true tunk there. Yeah. That that's a that's a great bait too. I watched you and Ryan found some beautiful fish on them. And this was a really cool bait ahead of its time. <clears throat> Actually had you can pull a pin on it and you can add one or two or zero tungsten balls in it and change the sink rate of it. You, you can still, them will still pop up at some good prices here and there. And, and sometimes they go for expensive, though, too. Like, well, I think they were like 35, 40 bucks when they yeah, were new. Yeah. But uh, you, you can see they pop up once here and there for 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. And like Rich said, if you want a hard bait, that's a fish catcher, and you can change the sink rates on it. And there's only a handful of patterns, so you don't have to get crazy. Well, yep. all good. So you know what this one is? That looks like a JSJ. <laughs> it is. Uh, JSJ snack size trout. Well, why isn't there any teeth marks on that? There's thing? a little bit. This one is number 239. You can see yep. It's right there under the hook. Number 239. You know, I've got a few fish on this. Not a ton. I don't throw them as much as I should, but I've got a few cool baits. A, a grand, a really good swim bait angler from Grand Rapids loves that uh, JSJ um, gill. I forget snack size gill. I think it was like a stuffing gill. Is that it? Like in the box, never used. Never used. It's pretty I, though. Look at that I, thing. I can tell you that that bait has cashed more than one check on Minnetonka, some pretty good tournaments. So this one, actually, uh, I've actually followed and communicated. Uh, I don't remember his name from JSJ. Josh and John. Josh, yeah. Uh, and I don't know, we've we've chatted on Facebook and Instagram for a long time, uh, back when I even had a, a – when my blog was a thing. And uh, he, I posted a picture of my swim bait box on Instagram, and he saw those true tungsten gills, and he's like, "I need to have one of those gills for my collection, like so you could just like have it, right?" And I was like, "He's like, how much do you want for it?" I was like, "Would you trade?" <laughs> so I traded him for one of these, and I will throw it. Uh, I just have it's, it's a fish catcher in Minnesota for sure. Yeah, um, I didn't show this. I mean, I showed the box earlier, but I got this big. 
wooden punker. Never been out of the box. Never out. No. Nope. I I wish I could show you my punker. I probably in the boat. I'm too busy throwing my vixens to throw the punker. It's painted white. So when it gets chewed up, I just paint it white again. Nice. Yeah, otherwise I got some river to seas, I got some bait sanity, I've got the arashi. But so what we need, so here's the thing, Dave. Are there any gem lakes without driving all the way up north to your favorite honey holes that we can go out swim fishing? I'm not, you know, not asking you what the names of them are on the stream, but are, can we go out this well, fall? You know, I, I can tell you guys where I fish. You know, I, I fish Ramsey County. I told you it's been really dirty. It's been tough here. But uh, I used to, I, I never used to leave Ramsey County. Snail Lake, Jarvis, McCarran's, DeMontreville, Turtle. Uh, Turtle was never a good swim bait fish lake, but it was at one time peaked out. And I don't know what happened to these lakes. I don't know if we had some severe winter kills. Uh, Wasso had a fall kill, then a winter kill. It, it's it's really tough. I think only Jarvis is coming back right now. And, and some people are going to correct. Some people are listening to this, say he's crazy. They're pounding fish out there. I'm not. I, You know, DeMontreville was a lake that I brought people to to teach them how to swim bait fish. And this is a really good conversation to have. Is it a swim bait fish lake or isn't it? Some lakes will not set up to swim bait fish. And I don't know the key other than the lake has to have a healthy population of big fish. And that's not always the key to making them a swim bait fish lake. Some lakes are just simply finesse lakes. And I can't explain it. They have healthy populations. They have a lot of big fish. And you need to finesse them lakes. And it really breaks my heart. I can't break the codes. But white bear is a good swim bait fish lake. And you're going to run into your muskies and your big northerns out there. I've never got into the smallmouth out there. But uh, I swim bait fish Jarvis a lot. McCarran's because it's so tough. If I do break the code out there on that day, I, I'm, I'm into really good fish. But uh, I've been I've been driving west more and more, going out seven and finding a lake, finding a mud hole. Well, say, Ramsey County is probably like the least prolific swim bait county in the state. <laughs> it, it used to be, it used to be unbelievable. Good good enough. I could get Eric off his western lakes to come here, and, hmm. and he was always surprised. But it it just dove. Just cycles. It's cycling. Yeah. Do you think there's anything to the forage? Like I know Tom Campbell thinks that like shiner populations and things like that are important for swim bait lakes. Do you? I do. I do to a certain extent because I believe in the gill forage more because almost any lake and let's get outside of Ramsey County here. We go to our DNR website, and they have almost every forage we're looking for. There's creek chub. There, you know, there's a lot of forage, diverse forage. But 
I will throw gill baits out there and catch fish. Mm-hmm. You know, this goes back to when we were kids and we used to cut the things open and eat them before we knew better. They always had gills in their stomach. Very rarely was it perch or shiners. And it wasn't just the lakes we were fishing because we were fishing up north too. And, you know, at times I wish I still had the guts to put that knife into that fish to see what is in that belly, but I I don't do it no more. (laughs) But the majority of the time, my experience as a kid, it was was sunfish. So I, I lean heavily towards sunfish. But at the same token, the thin profile baits seem to do very well in Minnesota. So there has to be something to Tom's theory of shad and shiners and everything else. So Yeah, I think that goes to that once a gill hits a certain size, it becomes a little more dangerous for a bass to try to swallow it. Like right, if they go to that was you know a, I mean? that was a theory until I started fishing that one. Yeah, I'm not saying that they won't do it, but there is like a a six inch baby carp, an eight inch shiner. Yeah, that's a lot less risk for a bass to take those down than it is a ten inch bluegill. Yep, and, and I think in our inner city lakes here. When I'm saying Ramsey County, you know, most most of our shiner populations have disappeared. And they have disappeared, my belief is, is 25 years of weed killing. It slowly has taken the effect on the lakes that isn't good. And I don't like to ever blame one thing, but I really think, all these orange signs we've seen all summer slowly, slowly has taken effect. Mm-hmm. And let's see in another 25 years uh, what happens at that time. And I'm not going to go crusade because I always have to fish around my conditions and figure things out. But that's what I keep telling myself in Ramsey County here. What the heck is going on? But Minnetonka's as tough with the jig as it can be with the swim bait bite, but you can get a good swim bait bite going out there too at times. And I'll tell everyone fish a lot shallower than you expect. Inside weed lines, anywhere you can get a super slow sink bait through. A lot of fun. Very cool. Well, it's been two hours, uh, Dave. Um, it seems like, a, I don't know, we've answered most of the questions tonight. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. It's been awesome catching up. Uh, definitely need to get out in the boat. I don't know, what do you guys think? In the chat, let me know if you would like to see me get out with Dave and do an all-day swim bait. Hero or bust, uh, turn the GoPros on and see if we can make it happen. Yeah, don't do it live. Not live, but we would just record all day and try to make a swim bait episode. Um, Here's no. one quick question. Are you a, a uphill, downhill? Uh, does both doesn't matter? What are your thoughts on that? I, we got to do what we got to do. And uphill fishing is very, very effective. 
I mean, I love doing it and I love more when it works, but uh, I'd say more parallel, parallel to weed lines, looking for inside turns. And of course, the opportunity to throw up shallow and seeing if they're there. But, uh, you know, real tough lake is McCarran's. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you you really want to get challenged, go out to McCarran's and swim bait fish. I've never even heard of McCarran's, let alone as a swim bait lake. Little Lake, Little lake in Ramsey County. So um, I think the, the, the uphill thing, which I think Bill Simmental was the one that really made that popular. I, he talked about the most. I mean, he was one of the guys to talk about it a lot early on. I'm not yep. saying he invented it. Um, but I think a lot of that was developed on reservoirs where there wasn't grass, right? So that, that was your pinch point, right? Is that they had a way to trap that bait. Like they felt that they were cornering it as it went uphill. Yep. Most of our lakes, natural lakes, it's really hard to throw deep and bring up a point because you're not going to make it very far before you hit coontail or cabbage or whatever, right? So what you're talking about though, you throw parallel down a swim bait, down a weed line, basically anywhere that fish wants, he can trap that against that wall. Yeah, so that's parallel. That's the same. So, you know, I so think I, about, don't necessarily think uphill, downhill, parallel. Think about what your lake is, right? And how yeah. can you put your bait so that your apex predator bass has a opportunity to feel like he's trapping that fish, right? So in some lakes, it's fishing a real shallow bait. So they're trapping it against the surface. Sometimes you're fishing your baits around cover, like docks and laydowns. They feel like they can trap it, right? Or weed edges inside or outside, right? Or it could be uphill, right? So there's there's all kinds of scenarios. Think about your lake and your forage. You know, I it, it's got so tough here in Ramsey County. I was talking to a guy at work today about long lining. And this is going back to Bill Simthal, where you go out to your depth, you drop your bait, and you take your trolling motor, and you spool your reel, basically, and then you work that bait back as slow as you possibly can. So you have 200 feet of line out, you spool 200 feet. I say, I, I have to go and long line that lake. When it works, it's the funnest thing in the world to get bit at 125 yards away from your boat. But when it don't work, it's a grind and you question why you do what you do. <laughs> but, but that that goes to uphill and downhill where Bill would go out there and he'd do exactly that. He'd spool all the way up that quarter mile quarter mile point and bring it all the way uphill. He wouldn't cast that thing. But yeah. Cool. Well it sounds like the guys uh found a lot of value everybody's saying thanks for the time i really have to pee we fit two hours we covered a lot of ground you know what we'll probably have another swim bait show in the future um whether it's dave or somebody else and there was a ton of stuff uh, so i appreciate everybody for coming out uh if you want to watch the replay on facebook or youtube that'd be awesome remember the giveaway leave a comment on the youtube it can't be facebook on the youtube in the replay uh if you want there'll be a hella bass podcast version that you can look into if you want to listen to while you're while you're out swim bait fishing or walking the dog or working out, that's all good stuff. Um, and just to and, find find general information, swim bait underground, not the busiest form in the world, but a lot of good anglers on there with a lot of good information. And, of course, the monster swim bait universe. 
Go in there and look around. Don't get caught up in the fancy glitter. Don't spend all your money right away. Work yourself into it. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, if people want to, I mean, you, you kind of you kind of hang out in any of the swim bait groups anymore? or Swim bait universe. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you guys want to get a hold of Dave, that's probably best to just uh, ask some questions at Swim Bait Universe and, and if he'll he'll he'll, he'll chime yeah. in from time to time. So Swim Bait Underground, I check in there. It's not as busy as it used to be because Facebook is the monster, but Swim Bait Universe, you get get good information. We're gonna try to spend all your money in the first ten minutes you're there. Yeah. Recommending two hundred dollar baits. Right. So cool. Appreciate it. Uh, awesome. Hope you guys learned some good nuggets today. I know I got some things to think about and I, and I, every year I'm like, I'm going to do more swim bait fishing. And then I fall in the trap of feel like I having to catch fish for tournaments, but we'll see. We're going to work on that. Uh, hopefully Dave can get me out and, uh, beats, beats some sense into me and I'll, I'll round out my game a little bit. Um, but as always, uh, I appreciate you guys. If you guys haven't already think about subscribing, checking out some of the other videos. Um, and I was here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. Thanks, guys. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.